Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation, where company founders, entrepreneurs, and cutting-edge thinkers drop in from around the globe to share startup stories, insider insights, and hard-earned success lessons. Now, here's your host, a woman who mastered business by placing heels on the ground all over the world, having worked with and coached CEOs and senior leaders from over 90 countries, and who wants you to build your best business future, Allison K. Summers. Hey, we always appreciate when you drop in with us at Disruptive CEO Nation. We are heading to Golden, Colorado. Uh, I just can imagine all of this lovely scenery, all these mountains. Uh, I just love it. It warms my heart. But we're going to speak with a wonderful woman who I invited to the show so that we could do a special episode about women in business and and women founders. But there's going to be tidbits for everyone in this content. So it is my absolute pleasure to introduce Melissa Bachnight, and she's going to tell us all about the Ripple Connection and a little bit about what wonderful things she delivers in the world today. Melissa, welcome to the program. Thank you, Allison. Thanks for having me. Um, I was going to say, as you were talking about Golden, Colorado, beautiful scenery, and we're all completely covered in cottonwood right now. So it almost <laughs> looks like it almost looks like it's snowing in summer, <laughs> which is a little bit confusing. <laughs> Um, but the Ripple Connection is a project, it started off as a project seven years ago that has developed into my life's work. And the essence of it is that the ripple that we make in the world is simply by be, being ourselves, by stepping into our authentic voice and bringing our unique gifts forward in the world. Usually this is done through our professional life. So bringing your unique work out into the world. And so that is what I believe connects us. That is what unites us, especially as we'll get into later when you're operating from your feminine and when we're not trying to compete with each other, but we're trying to collaborate and join arms and link arms. Um, Then we're all, we're all united with that thing that makes us unique. And so I help female founders and ambitious women embody that. So I help them step into their purpose and really bring that forward through their work in a way that actually works for them, that has them thrive as women versus drowning in overwhelm. Well, Melissa, this is one of the reasons I wanted to speak with you and let our audience get to know you is you've worked with over a thousand women. And I just know the information I've called from doing four years of these podcast interviews There's so many more layers when you have all these personal conversations with people than reading, you know, like data reports on women entrepreneurs and and female founders. And so I want to start on a positive note. You've had all these conversations, all these lovely individuals that you've worked with. What do you see as some of the most admirable common traits of the high achieving women that you're seeing move through their path and find success? The women I admire the most are the ones that practice having an abundance of everything. So often we are taught to believe that it's an either or, like you can be a good mom or you can have your career. And I am here to dismantle that because I have personally seen women coming from a place of the and. So they are you know, creating massive financial abundance. They're having loving relationships with their families if they choose to have one and and creating space for their their children to be there at pick up and drop off if that's something that they desire. They're taking care of themselves. So they're not 
drowning in overwhelm. That's not to say there aren't seasons where you feel mm-hmm. a little bit like this is too much, but overall they know that they have to take care of themselves and come from a place of I matter too, in order to create thriving businesses and whatever else fills their cup, right? So we're coming from a place of the and where you can have an abundance of everything. And that's my favorite trait in the ambitious female women that I kind of use as my vision holders as I create my empire, as I'll call it. Well, and I'm listening to you speak and I, I reflect on my own uh, business path and and the way others have, I don't want to say judged or looked at, but I'm with you. I believe in this abundance theory and I've achieved a whole lot in in my career in terms of um, working in so many different countries and working through a corporate career, then working through entrepreneurial endeavors. And I think with that, when you can have a practice of abundance in everything and learn to drown out the voices around you that are trying to tell you, you need to do it differently, or this is a way to do it, or... um, you can't have it all. Well, I can have it all. It just might look different than your expectations are of what having it all looks like. So I, I absolutely love that. Um, anything else that you would share that that you've seen these high achievers or or the women who've set their goals and, and reached them uh, that are strategies that they've employed? Well, this is going to be a very uh, feminine thing to say, but they really lead from their heart. They lead with value. They lead with uh, genuine connection. They lead with relationships. So it's um, less of a power over and more of a power together. And so the, you know, the heart centric women tend to, to rise up when they really embody that. And the other thing that I'll say, which you touched on is doing it your way, whatever way that is, because you will not be able to find joy and satisfaction in the work that you are doing if you are constantly trying to fit into somebody else's box. You might for a little bit, but you'll get to a point where you're like, what am I doing here? This is not (laughs) working. I don't fit in your box anymore. And so finding your own voice in your own way in a world that likes to have a lot of rules and likes to tell you, this is how you do it. You have to do it this way. This is what's worked before. So I really love when a woman trusts herself or I mean, women, men, whatever, um, that you trust yourself to, to follow that intuition and to do things in the way that feels good for you. Well, I know one thing that you speak about is this concept of feminine energy and masculine energy and which, which those energies have nothing to do with, with true gender, but can you expand for our listeners what it is that you speak to when you talk on this topic? Absolutely. So um, being a very driven, ambitious person, I had tended to operate in more of what I'll call a toxic masculine. And so the masculine is really our outward energy. So the doing, being logical, linear thinking, um, liking structure, being really analytical, assertive, those types of qualities are, are associated with the masculine. And the feminine is inward. It's more of your being versus your doing there. That's where creativity lives. That's where your flow, your intuition, your sensuality, nurturing, things like that. And so it's not, it's not about making the masculine wrong. It's just that we're, we tend to be trained in a way that really favors the masculine and has people believe that the feminine doesn't hold as much value when truly it's doing that dance between the two, when you find thriving in in life and in business. So I want to jump 
and talk about with all of these lovely individuals that you work with, what are some of the barriers that you hear them mention the most barriers and or concerns? Like what are their roadblocks? A lot of the roadblocks are internal. Um, There certainly are things in their external environments, but what I find there are four things that the women that come to me are struggling with. Uh, The first is trusting themselves. So really, like I touched on before, is being able to can use their own inner wisdom as their GPS and trusting that they can take this big leap or they can do this business that they've had burning in their soul for a while, but they're afraid of it, right? So they really want to lean into trust, um, self-worth. So even the people that I've worked with that have been medical directors, have been in the C-suite, you know, and I work from everybody from that level to stay-at-home moms that are entering back in the workforce and wanting to start their own business. There's this, this uh, self-worth issue that's going on with women where do I deserve this? Am I good enough? And even if they've been crushing it on paper, there's still this voice in their heads that are telling them, I don't know, you know, can you, can you do this new thing? Can you do this thing differently? Um, they're looking for connection. So they really want to be amongst other people. They want to know that they're not alone. Um, I think so often as entrepreneurs, you can end up on an Island with Mm -hmm. yourself and you really want to be linking arms with other people that are on a similar path that you can talk about your celebrate together. Right. And also say, Hey, I'm really struggling with this thing. I need support here. So um, that's the third thing thing that they look for. And the fourth thing is totally escaping my mind right now, probably because I've been solo parenting for the last week with a five-year-old. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to guess that it's also somewhat an extension of what you've mentioned, but it's this need for external validation that we really don't need. Um, And I think, I don't care who you are, what, like you said, what level you've achieved, uh, man or woman, we all like some sort of external validation, but if we're looking for external validation from the wrong people or wrong place, it's not going to help either. Um, you know, especially if you're trying to be a, a founder, you need your, your validation to come from people who are on a similar, similar path or who are going to be your cheerleader in your corner. Absolutely. Um, and from within, honestly, you know, and, and, and we'll always crave that you're doing a great job from somebody else or that reflection back from somebody that you respect. But so often we're looking for somebody else to provide us the thing that we're not providing ourselves. So you can be told you're doing an amazing job all day long, but if you don't believe it, then it doesn't matter. So listen to this statistic from the index of women entrepreneurs from 2022, which comes out from MasterCard. So according to this statistic, we all know the pandemic has disrupted so many things. But it said there's been an 8% decline in women's entrepreneurial activity globally. Um, so even before the, the pandemic, we, we talked about barriers. And one of the biggest barriers for, for women, if they're not creative enough, is the financial backing for their startups. So do you work with women on how they can grow confidence around asking for money? I do in in some respects. So I actually partner with my husband on this because he, even though I was a finance major, I haven't really used that degree much in my career, but my husband 
um, is he's the spreadsheet guy. He's the numbers guy. And so I've had him when somebody gets to the point where they are looking to really put the numbers on the paper and figure out what kind of capital they might need to raise and where they might need to get that from and tenant improvements and real estate and all of those things. But my husband, he's the go-to for that. And so what's interesting about that though, is, is every one of the women that I have sent over to him to talk to, they've said, you know, this is such an intimidating conversation. Mm -hmm. It's a very intimidating conversation to have with a man. And I'm so grateful that he your husband was really warm and welcoming and supportive around this because I was really afraid to have this conversation because I don't know anything about it. And so it's interesting that intimidation factor that comes up. And then the other thing I'll say too is the it ties back to the self-worth and owning your value. And this is something that I learned in corporate when I was learning, wanting to get a job and I felt a little bit desperate at that point because I was coming back from being on maternity leave and I felt like I I need them more than they need me is how I the story that I created in my mind and so I allowed myself to settle for less than what I should have asked for and what I was worth and as soon as I got into that job I immediately knew they needed me more than I needed them. And I was like, why didn't you stand in your worth? How did you do that? And so, you know, those lessons that you learn, you learn them hopefully one time, hopefully you don't have to learn them twice. But after that, I was like, I, anytime a woman comes to me and is trying to ask for less than her worth, I'm like, no, no, this is not what we're doing here. Like we are really going to stand in your value and, and kind of coach them through what that could look, what that conversation could look like for them. Yeah, I have a friend who does a workshop series called um, Purpose, Power, and, and Money. And mm-hmm. in it, she cites this crazy statistic. And I don't know if it's like twice as many women would rather talk about their own death than have a money conversation. It's some insane statistic. And, wow. and we need to get over that. I, um, you know, in, this, in the money data, the Financial um, Women's Alliance, which has such incredible data around women and, and money, uh, for every dollar that men get in bank loans to start their businesses, women are only getting $79. And so women are, you know, they're, they're not asking for what they need. And then we have the, the terrible statistic from Crunchbase that um, only about less than 3% of venture capital money goes to women. Now, I think that's changing because banks and VCs are becoming more gender intelligent when they look at these things. But I still think at the end of the day, um, that what you talked about, about self-worth and, and being sure that you have a solid money conversation when you're going to the pitch uh, or when you're writing your business plan, that it's, it's a very crystal clear piece. I, I think that is a struggle for, for everybody, but it does seem to be a little bit more difficult for for women. So I don't want to get any hate mail after listening to this podcast episode and saying everybody has a problem with that. But, um, you know, our objective, Melissa, in our conversation today is just bring some of these things forward so people don't feel alone and they know what they need to overcome. And I think that's the whole point. When people come to you for coaching or people come to me and ask business questions, it's, it's, like the quicker we can identify some of your, your skills gaps or knowledge gaps and get you over them, the faster we can help you get to the point of success. Yeah. Um, and so 
we can't do that without talking about sales when we talk about you know, knowing our business plan and knowing our money. And you had an extensive business background in sales and business development before you went into uh, coaching. What are some of the tips or some of the things that you've trained people on when it comes to that, thinking about their sales plan or their business development plan? to, To take it back to like the most basic thing about sales is teaching people what sales is and what sales isn't. Because it is... People are in, it seems to be there's a high level of intimidation or disgust from the word sales. And so I've done sales in a corporate environment. I've done sales. Um, I had a, I have a very successful direct sales business. I've taught sales to entrepreneurs and, and I always start with kind of what do you, what do you think it is? Interesting, interesting approach. Because it, it, you know, people think it's, and again, this ties back to the masculine feminine, that it's convincing, that it's pushy, that it's this, that it's that, right? And when you're talking about like what actually is a sales conversation, if we're, let's say we're just talking like business to consumer direct, it's really identifying somebody's needs and helping them with the solution to solve it. That's what it is. It's not, and it, and it's when, as soon as you get your own agenda involved and you stop listening to the other person, well, then you've become the thing that you didn't want to be, right? That salesy, whatever people like to say, used car salesman, which is just, I feel, you know, that's not a thing. It's, yeah. it's like a used car salesman gets a bad rap for that, but that's the, the analogy people like to use. And I'm like, is the thing is, is when you feel gross in a sales environment, it's because you've stopped caring about what the other person needs and you started to put yourself first. So I always start there and help people get comfortable because I work a lot with solopreneurs mm-hmm. or people who have been very good at their trade. Let's say a physician that's been in a hospital system for a long time that's now going out to do the direct primary care model. Well, guess what? Time to sell yourself, right? <laughs> So, so we really work on getting confident and having those conversations and defining what they are and what they aren't. I, um, I think I had an interview a while back and I'll just keep repeating it because it was such a lovely phrase is that your customer is your greatest investor. And, and it, it really is all about the customer needs and being sure that you're offering solutions, but there's still, I know extreme hesitation around the sales conversation and, and, and feeling some people do it so well that they can sell you a brown paper bag. And you're like, why did I buy the brown paper bag? And then some of us have these incredible products and services that we get a little timid about. So um, it's good to hear a little bit of, of your take on that. We move really fast on this podcast. So now I'm going to jump to this conversation that I know you have with individuals who come to you. And that is this self-awareness, because when you are trying to be a business builder, um, you are often still working in a full-time environment and you're starting to develop and create and build your business on the side and And even if you make that transition that you're in those early stages of your startup, but you are full-time in it, you're still giving it three times as much effort to get it scaled up. So we can't have these kind of conversations without talking about being self-aware about these other things in our life, our family, our health, our, our wellness. So any tips or advice for people in this area? Yes. 
Um, and this is an area that really speaks to me personally because I was working full-time at that job I mentioned where I accepted less than my worth or my value. I had a brand new baby and was figuring that whole situation out, <laughs> being a mom. And I was also growing my side business. That was my exit strategy to leave my corporate job. And so it was like the perfect storm of insanity. And so I very much understand and have a lot of empathy for whatever that looks like for you. It might, you might not be a woman, you might not have children, but there's always the thing that's pulling you away, or there's the thing that is asking for your attention. And so Oh, that that time of life. <laughs> so anytime I think of it, I'm like, oh my gosh, how did you do it? What I will say is that the way in which I coach around this is, is first of all, remembering that your needs have to matter, have to, like number one, have to matter. And that you got to meet yourself where you are. So taking care of your own needs might not look like you know, every Friday off and long baths and spa treatments and whatever that, that might look like to you, it might look like locking the bathroom door for five minutes and taking deep breaths. It might look like setting your phone at your desk, going for a walk around the block for 10 minutes in nature by yourself and coming back. And so I think of just taking micro steps and meeting yourself where you are is how you build a foundation of self-care. And the only way to do it is to be realistic about where you are currently and, and setting yourself up with a plan that is actually attainable. Otherwise, you're just going to end up back, stuck back into your work again. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're right. You, you mentioned about looking back and how did I do it? I think you have to look back and celebrate every season. And it doesn't matter, like you said, if you're a parent or whether you're a caretaker for your parents or you have some other obligations or you have a personal uh, chronic illness that you have to nurture while you're being a business builder. It's you got to celebrate the small stuff. I said, Melissa, my toughest year, and I've probably had tougher years, but a memorable year, uh, my children are very spaced in age. So I was teaching my older daughter to drive a car when I was teaching my younger daughter to potty train. And that was, and I was traveling internationally. I was out of the country at least once a month. And yeah, you had, you just had to say, this is where I am at. Other people aren't typically where I am at. So I need to show myself some kindness. So I really appreciate that advice that, that you're sharing. Thank you. And I would actually add one other thing is ask for help as much as humanly possible. We do not do this alone at all. And so the more you can get support, Mm -hmm. there's also a, a lot of people that have a story around what asking for help means and, and not in a positive way. And, and when you're trying to build something, especially if you've got, you know, other obligations, get help, ask, ask for help with the kids, ask, get a meal delivery service, do, do whatever you can to take the load off. I always ask myself, is this actually mine to do? Yeah. Or can I delegate this? 
Well, and I think you're right. It, it's when you go back to you and it keeps circling back to know your worth is we can do everything, but if you, if you can actually figure out like what you would say the dollar value is for your worth, then is it worth you doing, or is it worth um, a virtual assistant or some other way of, of getting it done? I used to, um, I had a, a year when I lived outside of Boston and I paid for my laundry to be done that year. It was just, I was single and I had a, a six-year-old and it, it seemed, how do I want to say, uh, wasteful, just, you know, I'm paying for somebody else to do my, I can do my own laundry, but I was building my career at that stage. And it was actually more important for me to give those extra couple hours a week to my, my job to build my career than it, it was to be taking care of the laundry. And I know that's kind of probably a bad example, uh, depending on, you know, this world of business builders that we're addressing that are listeners to disruptive CEO nation, but it does come down to those kinds of choices and, and being aware of them. Uh, do you, so your clients do, do struggle with those things, right? Absolutely. And it's what, well, what's, yeah, like you're saying, what's my time worth? And and I always look at the underlying intention underneath the action, right? You can take the same action, but what is the come from underneath that? So if you're doing, if you're taking on the laundry, for example, because you're afraid of what people are going to think, if you outsource this, or you have a story around how unnecessary is this thing that I'm doing, you know, that's what it's all. We make everything mean something. And so it's, it's the intention underneath it. And so if you look at, well, my vision here is I'm really, I'm, I would rather either have time to be present with my child or put this towards intentional action for the growth of my business, then this other thing can go. So it's, you know, I, I like to use silly examples like that because that's real life, right? <laughs> like that's what we're dealing with here. And and so if you just look at the bigger picture, why, then it helps you decipher, okay, well, is this mine to do? Can I get some support in this? Can I delegate this? But, you know, it's, it's, it's tricky to navigate all of it. Well, Melissa, I like to ask us where you go to get your inspiration because you're so busy filling um, wonderful support and positivity into the people that you work with. Is there anything that you would share with us that you're reading, that you're listening to, or that um, where you go just to fill your soul? Yes, um, I have a, a healthy addiction to filling my soul. <laughs> That's <laughs> one of the things I've developed over the years. Um, so one of the things that I started to do actually about six, eight months ago, um, Ishtara Body is a body of work that I've been participating in. And it's a kind of like moving meditation. So you dance um, and move your body and it's a way of actually healing your nervous system, rewiring your nervous system and, and processing your trauma through your body. And so I started to do that and that has been remarkably transformative. And, and say it again for our listeners. Ishtara, I-S-H-T-A-R-A. And um, it's a series of classes and, and movement exercises that you can do to, to rewire yourself, which is what, you know, in order to be a very effective leader, we're, we're working on getting, not letting our past uh, prohibit us from future success. And so we do that through, you know, working with our body versus against it. So that is one of the things that I, 
I've started to do a lot of is more integration of the body to, um, to nourish my soul. And so, um, that, and then I, I don't listen to podcasts cause I don't drive anymore. Sometimes I do. I shouldn't say I don't listen to them, but I podcasters to- don't like to hear that. No, it's true though. I when, when I launched this, it was intentional under 30 minutes. It's a, yeah. you know, an average commute and, and you're right. It is, you kind of miss, I also listened to a lot more podcasts when I was driving. Yeah. I used to drive 40,000 miles a year. And so I, I listened to tons of audiobooks and podcasts and things like that. So now I, it's more sporadic. Um, but I've been, I really loved uh, a book that I read recently that I'm rereading again is Glennon Doyle's Untamed. Okay. And so it's all about what we talked about earlier is getting out of that box that society has put you in, your conditioning has put you in and really kind of unleashing your true self. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Melissa, if people want to know more about the Ripple Connection, um, about programs that you offer, where can they go? What should they know? So all of my business is under the Ripple Connection. So whether that's LinkedIn, Instagram, or through my website, um, the, it's the rippleconnection.com. And then check out my signature program, which is all about growing a soul aligned business that works for your lifestyle. It's ripple connection slash bridge. Well, thank you so much. I love that idea. Soul aligned business. Um, Melissa, you've shared a lot of interesting things today. So for our audience, if Melissa shared something that you think somebody else needs to hear, pass along a copy of this episode. As always, we love it when you give us a good rating. Um, So go to your favorite podcast channel or pod chaser and put in a good word for us. Thank you again, Melissa. You've been wonderful to our audience. Keep your eye on the future and always be disruptive. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.